a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, 16th of May. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you? I'm good. Okay. I'm good. It's, uh, you know, it's Tuesday. I can start, you know, on Tuesday, I can start to kind of see the light at the end of the week's tunnel. <laughs> you know? That early. Well, you know, I mean, you and I don't really operate on a normal week-to-week basis because of what we do. Um, True. You know, and and so weekends kind of get folded into weekdays and so on and so forth. But, you know, I mean, I'm looking at it now like, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, I mean, it's better than having seven days to go. So That's true. Well, you know, we actually have to work all seven days because the podcasts have to go up on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we have to get everything ready for the actual, our actual site with the news that's been happening. Right. You know, and I always kind of so count we down. Really don't get time off. No, I kind of always count down to Sunday because that's the only day of the week where I don't have to get up between one thirty and 2 in the morning. Ah, that's true. You know, so that's, that's kind of my thing. But... Um, no, it's, you know, it's, it's been an interesting week so far. We're kind of out of that uh, endless loop of the same old news story. Yeah, the same old news story is hanging in the background, but at least we have a few more exciting things going on. Right, you know, and it, it kind of breaks up the what what seems like the same old, same old every single day of the week. So, mm-hmm. you know, which, which is a good thing. Um, and by the way, I, I see that James O'Keefe, uh, formerly of Veritas, has a new undercover video out supposedly exposing what was behind Fox News getting rid of Tucker Carlson. There's been so many different theories put out there and opinions put out there. Who really knows the truth but Tucker? Well, Tucker obviously knows, and I suspect that he kind of tipped off James O'Keefe. You know, and I, I mean, it's possible. I'm looking forward to seeing that video that O'Keefe has put together to see what 
what you know angle he's got on the whole thing, but I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. So, okay, you know, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. The reason, the fact is, he's gone. Well, yeah, and he's been meeting with Elon Musk and Twitter, and it looks like, for now anyway, Tucker is going to be doing um, uh, a a podcast, a video cast of some sort that's going to be released exclusively through Twitter. So, yeah. You know, we'll wait and see what that works out to be. Diane, tonight. We're all going to have to go into the pay for Twitter site to do it. Right, probably. Um, Tonight, Diane, you are covering America's Nightmare number 44 times over. Yep. Okay. And I'm I'm taking it the number 44 has something to do with it. It has everything to do with it. Okay. (laughs) It has everything to do with every problem that's still ongoing in our country today. Now, I'm sure people are going to be plenty happy to hear that uh, what I'm covering tonight will be my last foray, at least for a while, into the entire Bud Light saga with Bud Light and the woke dystopian shakedown. Well, isn't it awful that Bud is not budging? They're standing strong with this mentally ill person. Well, and, you know, folks, tonight, when I get into that topic, I'll tell you why they're standing as they are. You'll get get to understand a little bit more of the why uh, and who is behind it. And the reason I say mentally ill is because it's not normal to cut off parts and pretend you're somebody else when genetically you are as you were when you were born exactly now folks most of the time we have four quick hitters tonight we only have two because there's two pretty good sized stories uh, that have been going on in the news over the last 24 hours let's start with the irs removing the whistleblowers legal team from the investigation okay you know this this is weird investigation into hunter biden yeah. Right, that's that's the Hunter Biden thing. It it deals with the uh, the uh, tax problems that Hunter has, and go figure, you know that you would you would wind up with tax problems when you've got more than twenty LLCs, twelve banks, and you're laundering millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, this had to do with the. Um Obviously, the entire investigation into what you're talking about, it was the multi-year tax fraud investigation of Hunter Biden and a whistleblower who actually, you know, brought this to the public about the handling of the case and is claiming that the move done was clearly retaliatory. But the New York Post is saying the whistleblower's attorneys told Congress that the removal was on the order of the DOJ. Yeah, now figure that out, folks. Now, there are a couple of reasons why it might happen, okay? And let's start with the reason that's probably the least likely. Uh, That being the fact that having the whistleblower and his attorneys involved at this point in the ongoing investigation could jeopardize the investigation. Now, that's what the IRS would like us to believe 
That's not necessarily what I believe. Well, I'll go even one step further. This investigation is going to go nowhere at all because either the DOJ will not prosecute or Biden will pardon his whole crime family. Well, and that's the other part of the reasoning behind removing the whistleblower and the whistleblower's attorneys from the investigation is that it's retaliatory, and I believe that's probably most likely the case. Uh, I mean, obviously, the DOJ, and that's who the whistleblower's attorneys are saying ordered the removal, the DOJ does not want to prosecute anybody by the last name of Biden. Of course not. And But you know what? It wouldn't matter if they did because, you know, uh, Uncle Joe will just pardon the whole crew. One well, big lock, stock and barrel, no matter that it's nepotism or whatever. He's going to pardon everybody. It's like, just give it up already. Hunter's not going to get charged with anything. Or if the DOJ had guts and charged him, it'll never go through because there's that little issue of a pardon again hanging well and and that's something you and i talked about last friday on this very show you know that 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 any president can pardon anybody for anything whether it's happened yet or whether it hasn't and a president can even pardon himself right you know so we got all that to look forward to all these probes and investigations, yeah, they're nice, you know, it's, it's, truths are coming out, but it doesn't matter if what's coming out is the truth, because as long as that, is that pardon is in the mix, none of it matters. Well, I still want to get to the bottom of it. I still want to know everything the Biden family crime syndicate is guilty of. You know, and I I know there's never going to be a prosecution. I get that, you know. But Mm -hmm. I I just want to know, because it's not just the Biden family crime syndicate. It's the entire DNC. Right. And you don't think a, you know, Democrat DOJ is going to dare to prosecute anyone. No, I don't. You know, we have to be realistic. I, I am perfectly realistic, and I don't think they're going to prosecute anybody. I agree with you 100%. But I think the American people deserve to know just how filthy dirty the entire DNC is. And and not only the DNC, but also, and I mean, we, we already know. Those of us who pay attention, we already know, okay? But other people need to know Everybody that's been involved in this needs to be outed, and that includes the mainstream media. They've been covering Joe Biden's pasty white you-know-what for mm-hmm. years. It's time to expose all of them. And I, wow. I still hold out hope, not expectations, but hope that the more Americans learn about the swamp and how deep it goes on that side of the aisle, the more people, especially the independent voters, will turn their backs on the left side of the aisle when ballots come out. I seriously doubt any of that is going to come true 
because what they should really be investigating, we know the Bidens are guilty. We know that. Why don't they start following the money into Hillary and into Obama? Because there's where you really, your real story is. Well, and, and that is something that could come out with further investigation. If you just end the, <clears throat> excuse me, if you just end the investigation right now and say, well, nobody's going to get prosecuted, so it's a waste of time, move on, and you stop right now, then nobody's going to know how involved those people were. You know, there's plenty oh, of reasons. Will, because whistleblowers will come out all over the place because they know they're not going to be prosecuted. And, and if they're not prosecuted, then the whistleblower doesn't have to worry about anything. Okay. I think they're looking at all of this the wrong way. Okay. Just well, come then, out. Then end it. Tell us what you have. Come out. Tell us what you have. Let everybody go. Oh, my God. Yes. You know, now we know. Blah, 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 blah. And then move on. Because well, nothing is going to happen to these people. Okay. Then then let's end the investigations right now and move on. Um, you know, I mean, if that's, if that's, you know, really where you stand, then then let's end it right now. There's no need to go further. There's no need to learn who else is involved and, and how deeply. Um, we know. If, if nothing is going, if nothing's going to happen, then end it right now and let's let's go on do, to the next topic. Do you honestly? Do you honestly think that we don't know who's involved? Do you honestly think that? Well, I it's, seriously, it, it's what I told you. Okay, it's what I said just a few minutes ago. You know. Those of us who've been paying attention, we know, all right? But I want this to go down in history for the independent voters, especially leading into the 2024 election. They need to know just how deeply rooted this is and who all is involved in it. You know, and, and let's face it, Diane, you and I pay more attention to this stuff than most of the independent voters, you know? Yeah. Um, so... I, I'm saying for that reason, uh, if nothing else, let's keep going with these investigations. You know, the the thing of it is, uh, you know, did did the uh, and we'll get into this here in just a couple of minutes, but um, did they stop the the Russian hoax investigation because it wasn't going to go anywhere? No, no, that was what that was one good man doing what he had to do. It wasn't out there every single day. He did his stuff when he had all his ducks in a row, when everything was in presentation form, he presented it. That's what we need. We don't need this daily bombardment of Hunter Biden. We know he's a piece of well, you know what. Here's here's my other reason for continuing. If you just drop it right now and say, well, it doesn't matter, then you'll never have another whistleblower come forward with anything because they'll say, well, why should I go forward with it? Because nothing will happen. You know, I mean, you gotta, you got to follow the process. Think about this. And all the whistleblowers that have come forward about any major thing, and I give them a lot of credit. They're very brave to do what they did. Has anything really come of anything that's had a whistleblower come forward? Well, I no. you know, I, I don't know, but... Uh, if if you stop the process right now, they, they'll never come forward again. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's things to be considered, but 
we're going to drop it because there's no sense in going forward with it, right? I'm not saying that, but they can go forward with it behind closed doors. You know, they also make one very cardinal mistake. When you keep reporting every single day on the same thing over and over and over and over, that gives the perpetrator time to gather their information for their defense and counter everything you're saying. Sometimes spilling too much at one time actually helps the other side. Kind of like you and me. I mean, I I keep covering Bud Light. You keep covering COVID over and over again. You know, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I just want it to continue. I want it to be out in the open for, if nothing else, transparency. I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, transparency should be happening as things are occurring, not a couple of years later. That's not transparency. That's just sort of gathering up loose ends. We know certain things as fact. We do. So what do you think is going to happen behind closed doors? What do you think is going to happen behind closed doors? I mean, (laughs) that's that's what Durham did. You know, and that's what yeah, we need to I, talk no, about and now. He but. Did, and what he did was fine. He did it behind closed doors. He didn't give his hand away. And suddenly, boom, he dropped everything. That's how it should be. Not this constant every day. Right. I'm sick of turning on, all right. let's say, our news sources. And all we see every day is Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. Really? We know about Hunter Biden. Enough. That's all I'm saying. Do it the way Durham does it. That is the smart, intelligent way of doing something. You gather yeah. everything together. When you have it all together, you drop it. Okay. Uh, speaking of Durham, he dropped, a, what was it, 304 pages, uh, mm-hmm. the, the report. Uh, why he couldn't condense it to uh, you know 300 even. Uh, it had to be 304, probably 303 and three-quarter pages. 306. It was 306. Um, you know, there's, again, there's a lot of stuff we already knew, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, detail stuff that we didn't know. I'll tell you the fun part of, of this Durham report dropping is the mainstream media is beside themselves. They, they don't know whether yeah. to crap or go blind right now because every single thing they said was a conspiracy theory, even after it was proven to be uh, facts in the case through the Horowitz report, the fact that there was no Russian collusion, the fact that, that there was no reason to be spying, the fact that the FBI overstepped their bounds, you know, all of that. You know, when, when conservatives, when you and I would bring something like that up, we were accused by the left of being conspiracy theorists, right? Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. the Durham report comes out and point blank identifies the FBI as, as one of, not the only, but one of the main culprits in all of this. And it, going directly against the narrative of the mainstream media, they are they are having kittens right now because they know that they perpetrated the lie. They knew it was a lie when they 
were doing it for three years. Well, the they whole, knew it was a lie. The whole crux of the report was that it found that the FBI failed in its responsibility to the public and never should have launched the Trump-Russia probe to begin with. Craig, I remember two people saying almost that how many years ago? Yeah, I, I can't remember their names. Help me remember <laughs> help me remember who those two people were. I mean even I mean the Durham report is great. I haven't read all three hundred and six pages yet, but I've read quite a bit of it. There's a lot of it stuff we knew. There's some stuff that we didn't know. But again, he did it the smart way. He did it quietly, behind closed doors, dropped it when nobody expected. And now the FBI, especially uh, people like Peter Strauss, they're going bonkers over this. They don't know what to do because they were caught off guard. That's how things should be done. Yeah, but but there's not going to be any further prosecutions because of it. Now, you mentioned Peter Strzok. You know, he had, they had to, uh, you know, cart him out and he, you know, he dropped a whole series of tweets today uh, mm-hmm. regarding the Durham report, um, you know, trying to downplay the report, trying to call the report a bunch of BS and stuff like that. But there's a direct reason why Peter Strzok doesn't want anybody to believe the Durham report. And that's because Peter Strzok wrote a book about how Trump was guilty of collusion with Russia. And right. if if it's shown that everything he based his, you know, quote unquote, use your air quote, facts on was 100% false, he's got to give all the money back that he got from the book. Well, he doesn't want to give up the money, right? Now, over on MSNBC, they trotted, it was either MSNBC or CNN, maybe it was CNN, they trotted out, guess who, Andrew McCabe to explain mm-hmm. the Durham report uh, and, and downplay the Durham report. Well, Andrew McCabe was a big part of the Durham report because exactly. he was the deputy director of the FBI when all the lies and cover-ups and, and shenanigans were going on. Exactly. I mean... He, matter of fact, he and Peter Strzok were in, in it together because Peter Strzok's text messages kept referencing Andy McCabe. Yes. No, this is, this is so ridiculous. And the left in general is not taking this probe well, this report well. <laughs> Gee, you think? <laughs> at all, including, you know, Schumer and, and um, Pelosi. Yeah. None of them are, are taking this report well. They're saying it's all, you know, to quote Bar- uh, Biden, a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, speaking of Biden, okay, uh, today, your favorite person, Corrine Jean-Pierre, uh, was, you, you know, so. yeah, was handling the press as, as you know, she does so beautifully um and some reporter asked her uh what the white house's take on the durham report was she refused to get into it and said well i would refer you to the doj the reporter pressed the question and again 
uh, Jean-Pierre said, well, I'm not going to get into that from the podium. You'll have to talk to the DOJ. And then she closed her binder and left. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so rude. Well, not only, uh, not only rude, but, but think of the question. What does the White House have to say about this? Well, I would refer you to the DOJ. So I'm supposed to go to the DOJ and ask them what the White House thinks about it? <laughs> no. No. Well, because you're dealing with a White House whose occupant uh, has basically half a brain cell working. If, if I that. Mean, if that. How, this whole thing is ridiculous. What should happen now, in my opinion, okay, the report came out, um, John Durham proved collusion. Okay, the collusion was just not with Strzok and all those people that we just mentioned. The collusion goes to Hillary. It goes to Joe Biden. That's the people I want indicted, or at least, excuse me, hear about. And I don't think we ever will. No, no, it'll it'll never trickle down to that. But that's where the problems all lie. That's true, you know, and that's and that's a big part of the problem, um, you know. But th- this is this is interesting because I think this is going to have, uh, you know, long-reaching implications, not from a legal standpoint, but from a social standpoint. And I'll tell you what, I happened to watch uh, Greg Gutfeld's show last night. And Gutfeld went off on the FBI and went off yes. on the in, entire, you know, mess with the, the mainstream media and everything. And he asked a very important question that could get him fired. Um, yeah, I don't think so. But, you know, he said, why should we believe that the 2020 election wasn't stolen, given all of this? You can't hey, trust the FBI, you can't that. trust the DNC, you can't trust the mainstream media. I mean, good question. We just asked that question the other day when we were talking between you and I. Right. Everything that's going on actually proves, and the Durham report with the whole collision, collusion proves that the election was stolen. I don't care what they say. You, you can't it, get away from it. Positive. Yeah, you can't get away from it. I mean, you you look. I mean, come on. You're you're spying on the Trump campaign. Guess who ordered that? Obama, right? right. Uh, because that happened in 2016 before the election. So that had to come from Obama. Right. Obama wanted Hillary to be his third term in office. Right. And who put together? Who paid for the Steele dossier? The fake dossier. The DNC, the DNC Hillary, with Hillary. And the FBI put money into that, too. Right. You know, I mean, so it you, all ties together. Yeah, you trace it all back. It all comes comes down to one ugly lump of grease, you know? Yes. And Gutfeld's right. Why should we trust that the elections were run honestly and above board when the real collusion was in place to interfere with the 2016 election. Why should we believe that the 2020 election wasn't also interfered with? Well, that was, I mean, obviously, I'm sorry, that was interfered with. I don't care what anyone says. I will always believe that election was stolen. 
81 million people did not vote for a basement dweller. Well, let's let's let, let me let me add a little clarity to that. Let's say 81 million people who could still fog a mirror didn't vote for that guy. <laughs> and didn't vote two and three and four times. Right. I mean, yeah. The, yeah, when you say 81 million people didn't vote, you have to put those qualifiers on it. You know, That's true. But um, the bottom line is, Craig, unless we fix this election system within the next two years, I don't care who the Republican pres- uh, candidate is. They'll still lose to Biden. Yeah, we'll We've see. We've got to fix the system. Yeah, well, you're not going to fix the system with the Senate in the control of the liberals. No, not, it's not going to happen. We've hit the bottom of the hour, Diane. That means we got to take a quick break. We still got two really good segments coming up. Um, Thirty minutes from now, I'm talking about Bud Light and the woke dystopian shakedown, where I get into who's responsible for the whole Bud Light debacle and why. But when we come back from this bottom of the hour break, Diane, you've got it with America's Nightmare number 44 times over. Mm-hmm. And folks, your helpful hint there is the number 44. <laughs> It's pretty obvious. It, yes. it, it is pretty obvious, but that's good. So we'll take the bottom of the hour break. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after that. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's the Tuesday night edition of the show, and if you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click that podcast button, and all the shows, including this one, will be there waiting for you. Yes, they will. 
Okay, so, Diane, for this week's op-ed, you have taken on um, a, a topic that you and I have covered um, more than once, but there's more and more and more information that keeps coming out, and the more we see of things that are happening in the here and now, the more we can trace it back to one particular set of circumstances and one particular occupant of the White House. You have put yes. together an op-ed, America's Nightmare Number 44, Times Over. Let's start by saying, and this is a quote, Joe Biden and I did a lot together. We helped save the global economy, made record investments in clean energy. We put guardrails on our financial system. We helped turn the auto industry around, repeated, repealed, I should say, don't ask, don't tell. That was said by Barack Hussein Obama on April 5th, 2022. Now, if certain events hadn't been unfolding right before our collective eyes, one would believe themselves to be enveloped in a nightmare that one simply could not wake up from. And that nightmare seems never-ending as day turns into night, for the substance of said nightmare has not yet gone away. And while today's nightmare has a number of components attached to it, one being Joe Biden, another being the sum total of the Democrat Party hierarchy itself, and yet still another being a now Republican-controlled House who, while talking the good talk, still walks like one afraid of the dark. The true maestro of our nation's nightmare remains as it always has been, Barack Hussein Obama, number 44 himself. How and why so? First, while Joe Biden is indeed a nightmare of his own doing, most self-serving career politicians usually are, and while many have awarded him the dubious honor of replacing Jimmy Carter as the worst U.S. president in modern-day history, in my opinion, that honor actually belongs well into perpetuity to Barack Hussein Obama alone. And why? Because it was Obama who set the stage for all that has followed, for it was he who actually began the process of dismantling our beloved America on the very day he took the oath of office, stating publicly that he would immediately begin instituting his promised campaign platform of change, what he called the fundamental transformation of America, said change did come fast courtesy of social and democratic upheavals coupled with dangerous shifts in government policies, both foreign and domestic. And here we saw what is our capitalistic-based market economy turning into a socialist dream, and where our hold on being the world's number one superpower started to slip precariously. Simply, with malice intended, it was Obama himself who orchestrated then and continues to orchestrate now the collective nightmare we still cannot wake up from. And while Obama might use the word we when speaking of his anything but accomplishments, his then VP Joe Biden simply went along for the ride. After all, the big guy was too busy with his now being exposed pay for play agenda. And while Obama being unable to finish said change in his allotted eight years in office, the man who had once counted on Hillary being his third term in office saw instead Four years later, Joe Biden becoming his more easily manipulated shell, 
a true puppet on a very short string, if you will. And Biden has served Obama and his socialist agenda well, for Hillary might not have so easily acquiesced to each and every whim of Obama's. But in dementia-ridden Joe Biden, Obama found a shill who would do exactly as he was told and do so minus any questions being asked. And Craig, as long as the leftist-controlled mainstream media continue to dictate both the political narrative and the accompanying public discourse, Obama, via Joe Biden, saw not only his third term in office coming to fruition, but come 2024, could well get his now hoped for fourth term in office, a nightmare our beloved America might never wake up from. You know, one of the things that you and I say, and it's it's an old saying, it's certainly not ours, but one of the things that we have said from time to time is, silence speaks volumes. And after mm-hmm. 2016, there was a rather conspicuous silence, right? Yes. Well, you have to remember, with Hillary's unexpected losing to Donald J. Trump in 2016, Obama seemed to politically lay low for a while, but actually he was regrouping, if you will. And in 2020, he publicly endorsed Joe Biden for president, a man he knew was totally clueless to reality that even some in his own party deemed then, as they do now, to be both mentally and physically unfit to hold office. But as long as meds could keep Joe at least semi-awake, as long as there were folks nearby who could help keep him physically upright and control his senseless wandering, Joe Biden could and would continue doing Obama's bidding. And this bidding included Biden continuing to apologize for America's past, its present, and now America's future, as the countdown to the newest surge at our southern border has indeed come to fruition. With Obama's so wanted browning of America now moving forward as planned. Sad indeed, for when America elected its first black president, actually America's first mixed race president, as Obama's mother was 100% white, we as a nation bore hopes for a future fully and finally devoid of racial animosity and disparity. After all, the old hatreds had already started to wane in the years before Obama took office. But instead of that hope for future, what we got under Obama was a multitude of deliberately instigated race-baiting actions. His, if I had a son, words immediately comes to mind. And courtesy of Obama, we saw America being racially divided even more so than, in my opinion, she was during the time of segregation itself, when the rule of law dictated the misnomer of of separate but equal. And it was these three words alone that, whether knowingly or unknowingly, helped to fuel not only generations of hate, but helped to lay the foundation of what morphed into the call for reparations, a call that started in earnest on Obama's watch. Remember, under Obama, we witnessed Black Lives Matter instigators being welcomed into the White House, where we heard not only the first rummages of reparations, the paying of large sums of money to ancestors of black slaves who themselves were never slaves by white, by, uh, white folks alive today, 
who never owned slaves. And Obama did say that reparations were indeed justifier. But, Craig, we also heard the first calls for equity as well, which under Biden has overshadowed what was the rightfully hard-fought battle for black equality. You know, it's always been interesting to me, and I know to you too, that the opportunistic approach of the left side of the aisle when it comes to minorities, they're only good for what the the left can squeeze out of them. And when they Mm -hmm. think they've got, you know, something with more juice, they dump what they have claimed to have represented for decades in charge of a shiny new object. And that is certainly the case here, right? Right, because we, you know, better not forget that it was under Obama when America's growing black middle class slowly and deliberately began being replaced, as in being thrown under the proverbial bus, by an influx of Spanish-speaking foreigners, immigrants, and or migrants. They were and still are erroneously being called, as these folks have proven to be, courtesy of their numbers alone, but an invading army of illegals whose hands are out for the Obama and now Biden promised free stuff. Free stuff that drove them here in the first place. Just cross our southern border, they were told. The red carpet is already laid out. The rule of immigration laws be damned. It's still all free for the taking. And all Obama asked for as number 44 is exactly what Biden continues to ask for as in their vote, votes which would help keep Democrats in power for generations to come. It was, it is, and will always be about garnering Democrat votes. Quote, our border is not open. Those who arrive at the border after Title 42 expires at midnight tonight will be ineligible to claim asylum. Those were the words of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, said on May 11th, 2023 at 2 p.m. EST. And yet, more lies about our border are being told. For the sheer numbers of those now daily crossing into our country are what speaks the truth. A lie being pushed forward by an administration rife with both Obama loyalists and holdovers. A lie trying to pass its office truth while Biden continues to merrily dance the dance of a puppet on a string. And if that's not enough to help feed into our collective nightmare, also know that it was Obama's failed border policies that gave birth to what became the sanctuary city movement, policies which Joe Biden has happily kept in place. And with neither man caring that with an influx of illegal lawbreakers, Knowingly crossing our border illegally is a direct violation of our immigration laws, after all. Comes an increase in crime, especially in cities where and with the do-gooder moniker of being a sanctuary city. An increase it did under Obama, as it does now under Biden, or should I say, O'Biden, with murder rates continuing to rise in said cities courtesy of a usually illegally gotten inanimate object, a firearm. In other words, Craig, a gun, an inanimate object deemed by both Obama and Biden to be the root cause of all criminal actions 
committed. You know, and just as hypocritical as the sanctuary cities you just mentioned, I mean, the fact that, you know, the the sanctuary cities, they, you know, all these blue cities jumped on board that as fast as they could. Now they're running from it because it suddenly became a reality in their cities and, and they can't handle it. The The gun control from the left is just as hypocritical. I mean, it, it started uh, in earnest under Obama and it continues to this day. And the more we hear about it, the more hypocritical it actually becomes. Right. And, you know, what both men willingly ignore is the fact that the polars of said inanimate objects, triggers, are the true perpetrators, not the object itself. But I guess under Biden, that doesn't matter, as bought and paid for liberal DAs routinely and courteously give out, get out of free jail cards. And that is, if said criminals are even charged at all. That and, of course, the reality being to disarm we law-abiding citizens while giving criminals a free pass to do as they will. Gun control nonsense fueled on by the left's overly partisan agenda. Simply, what did start under Obama now continues under Joe Biden. The truly are one and the same. For dare not be foolish enough to still think that Obama is not pulling Obama, it's not pulling Biden's strings, I should say. If you still have any lingering doubts, just remember Obama's apology tour. Mm. A tour where as president of these United States, he played footsie with the enemy, trading five Taliban terrorists for American trader Bo Bergdahl, and was both directly and indirectly responsible for reigning for reigniting, I should say, Mideast unrest with his infamous words to the effect of standing with his Muslim brethren. And Biden's apology tour of sorts came in the guise of our disastrous Afghan pullout, where not only did we leave allies behind, but American military equipment as well. Equipment ripe for the enemy's picking. And picking they did, and still continue to do, with no one from America's now-woke military able to stop them. Want more Obama-instigated reality that helps feed our still-ongoing nightmare? How about the fact that under Obama, the very foundation for cancel culture was laid, what with the sanctity of marriage and family now being relegated to second place, as single-sex couples were officially allowed to marry, where single parenting, along with a multitude of baby daddies, became the dare-not-to-be-questioned new norm, along with black radicals who took a knee to help fuel on the Obama-originated racial hatreds. And all this morphed into Joe Biden's what's now called wokeism, kumbaya nonsense taken to the nth degree, where boys pretend to be girls and girls pretend to be boys, genetically impossible, you know, and where the misuse of one's preferred pronoun trumps both common sense and logic, while mandates in the guise of foolhardy laws dictate that we must play along. No, America's nightmare haunting many of our nights and our days, if truth be told, started with Obama was tempered back when Donald Trump was in office, only to be reignited under Joe Biden. Simply, in my opinion, 
The fact is that Barack Hussein Obama is indeed not only pulling Biden's strings, but is actually running the show. Actually, the sham called the Biden administration now operating in the guise of a nightmare that America might never wake up from. Prove me wrong if you can. And with that, I say, case closed. You know, I want to go back to something you said in this op-ed, that the reality being to disarm we law-abiding citizens while giving criminals a free pass to do as they will, gun control nonsense fueled on by the left's overly partisan agenda. You know, that speaks a lot of truth, and I think people need to really fully understand why the left is doing what they're doing. If you can institute gun control, i.e. take away law-abiding citizens' right to bear arms, mm-hmm. okay, while allowing the criminal elements in this country to run roughshod over the law-abiding citizens, then the law-abiding citizen has no place to turn for help except the government. And that is right. the control that the left wants to perpetrate on the American people. You can't live. You can't walk down the street. Your kids can't go to school. You can't go shopping without the protection of the government. Right. It's about making government totally in control of your life. Everything you do, think, say, has to be approved by the government. That's what they're after. Not only mind control, but control over your body. What you do, what you say, where you go, what to eat, what to drive. It's total control of your life from birth until death. Well, remember when Michelle Obama was going to tell everybody what they could serve as school lunch. And she did that, and the kids were miserable. The parents were miserable because the kids weren't eating, and that got canceled out. Yeah, but it but it was the it was the trial balloon, let's say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you yeah, like yeah, sure. yeah and, and like you say throughout this op ed, you can trace all of this back to the Obama regime, what I call the Obama regime. You know, and yeah. you're you're absolutely right. Gun control. Control people's safety. They have nowhere to turn but to the government. Make people reliant on the government. You know, and the cancel culture, now wokeism, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got to toe the government line on this or you're ostracized instantly. You're canceled. You're some sort of a heathen. You're some sort of a monster. You know, if you don't agree that boys can become girls and girls can become boys, screw the science. If you don't toe that line, you're some sort of a god-awful bigot. Well... You know why I don't call the Biden administration a regime, why I call it an administration? Regime is really used in reference to something like the Castro regime, where everything is controlled, everything is rationed. There are no firearms in the public. There are state police who control your every movement, this and and that. We're not at that stage yet. No, but that's where the left wants us. That's why they might want it, but we're not there. That's why I will not call them a regime. I will continue to call them an administration, while at the same time 
you notice I never say President Biden. No, neither one of us say that. Okay, I don't write it either. I no, either I'd... call him Joe Biden or Biden. Yeah, and, and I'll... In my opinion, I am one of those who believe the election was stolen. I, I, so, I, I fully agree. You know, and, and, but at the same point, I won't call it a regime because we are not at the point that Cuba is at, Venezuela is at, and the other true dictatorial regimes. Well, and I understand that, but I'll still call them a regime because that's what they aspire to. That's what they want to turn us into, and I'm putting myself in their yeah. I'm I'm putting myself in their mindset when I call them the regime. So that's that's my rationale. I didn't know you had dementia. Well, no, I you know, (laughs) but I tell you this: every time I listen to Joe Biden speak, I can feel my IQ dropping. Ah, you know, I mean, I I will give you that, Um, you know, (laughs) listening, listening to too much of that will turn you into a fetterman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brain fog. Yeah, this, this, you know, op-ed, people, you know, you're going to want to read through this for yourselves because there's a lot of, I don't want to call it anecdotal information, but there's a lot of, you know, this happened, then that happened. And you can trace it all back to one particular occupant of the Oval Office. You mm-hmm. know, and, and that's important. People need to understand that. Because if you're looking at what's happening today and you think, well, this is something new, it's not. No. You know, and, and, you and know there's what, a reason why we see what's happening today. And what's very odd about this, if you take Obama's race out of the mix altogether, Forget that he's half black, he's half white, forget he calls himself black, whatever. Take all of that out of the mix. Just take his policies, his apology tours, all of that. Take all of that. When he was up against Mitt Romney. Now, in Mitt Romney's case, forget that he can't stand Trump and all that. Take him then, when he was running, against a non Everything is about race for Obama. We would be a different country today if Mitt Romney had been elected president. And we didn't go for the, and I don't mean me, but we didn't go for, oh, we need our first black president. Barack Obama was elected simply because of the color of his skin, not because of his accomplishments, what he wanted to do, because we all knew what he wanted to do. He was a community organizer with leaning towards socialism and the people in this country voted for that. Well, all so you had to much, do... Oh, go ahead. As much to blame for what's going on today being Obama, I blame the people that voted for Obama. All you had to do was read Obama's books and you knew right away this guy was a Marxist wannabe. Right. And and that that right. his his time in office was going to be trying to make America as Marxist as possible, or moving us directly into that realm of political ideology. You know, I mean, he says well, in he says in his books that he gravitated toward the towards the Marxist professors at the right. universities. Right. Well, yeah. I hope all the people who voted for him 
based on the color of his skin and oh we need America's first president I hope you're really happy with what he caused yeah because we're still getting it yeah and yeah. we will continue to get it as long as Biden is in office that's true America's nightmare number 44 times over see I told you folks number 44 played a big part in this now you know why you know, there's some. I know, Diane, there's some people out there who went 44. I wonder what 44 has to do. <laughs> those are the ones on the liberal side. Yeah, those are the ones that lean slightly to the left. Yes. <laughs> America's Nightmare, number 44 times over. Two places you can pick up the link to that, and we hope you do. You go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place, you can get the link. Read it for yourself, and, and it, as you read through it on your own, it'll all start coming into focus for you so that everything you see moving forward, you can trace it backwards and say, yeah, there's the root cause. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, Kamala Harris may not be able to get to the root cause of illegal aliens, but Diane Sorry got to the root cause of all the crap we're seeing today. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Kamala Harris can't get to the root cause of her own hair dye job. (laughs) That's very true. Folks, go to Diane's Mm -hmm. blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com and grab the link to this op-ed and then share it everywhere you can. I mean, that's important. Now, Diane, in in the minute or so that we have left in this segment, what are you working on for next week? Let's just say the border oh. and, and the fact that the border, don't listen to the mainstream media, look at the pictures, look at the numbers coming in. Believe your lying we are going. Yeah, we are going downhill. Well, I have some solutions to the oh. border issue. Okay. I wasn't aware we had an issue at the border. <laughs> That had, that had totally gotten by me. I haven't heard a thing about it. Okay. If you believe that, I'll sell you a bridge in Brooklyn. Okay. Folks, hang on. we got to take a top-of-the-hour break. One more segment on tonight's show, and I'll be talking about Bud Light and the woke dystopian shakedown. I'm going to let you know exactly how this whole Bud Light thing came about, why it came about, and who's responsible for it. Stay with us more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're 
are listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, and if you miss any part of the show, go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button, and there you go. Mm-hmm. We'll have this show in its entirety uploaded for you. Mm-hmm. All right, so between six and seven, I have not written as many articles about Bud Light as Diane has written about COVID. However, I am getting pretty tired of writing about about Bud Light. Okay, I did, however, take it on again for this week because there's a lot of stuff I don't think very many people understand about how this whole Bud Light thing came into being. And there are certain people that are behind it. There are certain reasons why. Earlier in the show, Diane, you even said that Bud Light, for whatever reason, is not backing off on standing with Dylan Mulvaney. And I'll explain that in this segment, too. Okay. Bud Light and the Woke Dystopian Shakedown. The Hong Kong and Shanghai Banking Corporation otherwise known as the HSBC, has downgraded Anheuser-Busch InBev stock to hold amid a crisis following Bud Light's marketing campaign featuring transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney. According to Carlos Laboy, the managing director at HSBC's global beverage sector, quote, there are deeper problems than ABI admits, unquote. Gee, really, you think? The most recent figures show that Bud Light sales are off better than 26% over last year, and the plunge didn't start with the self-inflicted disaster of Bud Light's partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. That raises a couple of good questions. How did Anheuser-Busch get the risk assessment so terribly wrong, and are they hiring the best people in their marketing department to gauge risk versus reward? Obviously, as I've stated in the past three commentaries, with the hiring of Alyssa Heinerscheid, a woke liberal arts indoctrinated VP of marketing, Anheuser-Busch got exactly what they had coming. Furthermore, after firing Heinerscheid or putting her on what sure seems to be a permanent leave of absence, the same people that made the disastrous decision to hire her in the first place set about trying to fix their own mistake by committing more and more mistakes. So, Diane, how did Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light get into this situation 
to begin with? Well, it could be summed up pretty well with three simple letters, ESG. Mm-hmm. ESG, which stands for Environment and Social Governments. And it's the liberal acronym for Equity Over Common Sense. It is, in effect, common core financing lorded over by virtually all of the world's biggest banking institutions. Just a couple of years ago, Anheuser-Busch entered into a deal with the devil, so to speak, when they went after and received a $10 billion sustainability-linked loan revolving credit facility, which replaced the company's existing credit facility. New financing, new rules. And since the new credit facility was woke, so too are their new rules. To be clear, the sustainability aspect of the new woke rules center around being green with everything from packaging to brewing and use of renewable sources of energy. But there is yet another aspect not to be ignored when it comes to new woke financing rules, and that is a company's corporate equity index score, or CEI. Now, through the new Anheuser-Busch finance facility, Mentioned above, financing is provided by a consortium of 26 leading global financial institutions, with ING and Santander acting as joint sustainability coordinators, and both those organizations are amongst the most woke such groups on the planet. To them, equity is as big, if not bigger, part of the whole deal in terms of guaranteeing financing than being green. And what makes Anheuser-Busch's CEI key is getting the dollars AB InBev needs when they need them. And who exactly oversees a company's CEI score? Well, that would be the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBTQ plus political lobbying group in the world. The LGBTQ plus community comprises what? Maybe 5% of the entire American population? So how does a Chihuahua in a world of Great Danes fund such a powerful lobby that they're able to ride herd over the big dogs? Well, Diane, they find a Chihuahua with the financial equivalent of a nuclear-armed bank account, a hair trigger, and a bent for destroying the American way of life by any means necessary, including imposing economic ruin on any company unwilling to bow down to the liberal woke agenda. Well, that leaves you to wonder who's really pulling the strings on all of this. Who has the money to manipulate all of this? Well, just one person comes to my mind. What about yours? Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I mean, you're looking for the nuclear-armed Chihuahua, right? Well, that would be Mm -hmm. none other than the primary source of funding for the human rights campaign, the Open Society Foundation, operated by George Soros. So how pervasive is the HRC in the business world? Well, last year, 15 out of the top 20 fortune-ranked companies received 100% ratings from the HRC, making them the best place to work for LGBTQ equality. 
In fact, better than 840 U.S. companies racked up a high CEI score, according to the latest report. And the higher the score, the better the rate on financial loans any company can receive. Score low, or don't play the game, and it won't be long before the Great Danes of the business world can't get the capital they need to grow or survive. Remember, Anheuser-Busch, via their $10 billion financial stake, is beholding to not only the ESG green energy leftist agenda, they're also beholding to the George Soros-funded human rights campaign and their woke gender rules, and that deal with the business devil means play ball or dry up. By the way, according to the New York Post, and I quote, the HRC, which was formed in 1980 and started the CEI in 2002, is led by Kelly Robinson, who was named as president in 2022 and worked as a political organizer for Barack Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, unquote. So, what are the HRC gender rules that Anheuser-Busch has to play by? Well, number one, workforce protections, no discrimination for employment, for sexual orientation, or gender identity. Number two, inclusive benefits criteria there includes providing health care for same-sex couples. Number three, supporting an exclusive culture, including gender-neutral dress codes and trans-inclusive restroom facilities policies. Number four, corporate social responsibility, marketing or advertising to LGBTQ consumers, which would include Nike and Bud Light's use of transgender spokesman Dylan Mulvaney. And number five, responsible citizenship, where points are deducted if a company gives money to organizations whose primary mission includes advocacy against LGBTQ equality, which is not defined, but could include Christian groups. Diane, make no mistake, this is a shakedown not at all unlike what you would expect in an organized crime syndicate, and the rules aren't suggestions, they are demands, and HRC sends goons out to companies and corporations to enforce those rules or else. You lose your CEI score and with it, your ability to borrow money and do business. Well, you know, again, in a way, this goes back to what I just wrote, because you have a puppet master pulling the strings of the puppet master who pulls the strings of the puppet underneath him. Right. It's it's a (laughs) it's a vicious circle. Look, what yes. we're seeing right now within our nation, national economy is being directed by George Soros as the puppet master pulling Obama's strings while Joe Biden dances at the end of strings being manipulated by Obama. Soros has made no bones about wanting to destroy the American economy. After all, he's done it in other parts of the world. Printing more money and spending more has driven inflation through the roof, while other factors directed by the Biden puppet, in my opinion, are having his strings pulled by Soros include shuttering businesses during the COVID debacle. Now, while the government 
primarily in blue states, forced small businesses to shut their doors and in turn forced workers out of the workforce and into the government dole, large businesses remained open. Why? Because small businesses, by and large, do not seek financing from giant worldwide financial institutions and therefore cannot be controlled by ESG and CEI demands, thus eliminating small businesses and jobs, while the big businesses do finance via ESG and CEI-oriented institutions and can be controlled in that matter. I believe That is where the downfall of Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light actually began. AB InBev made that $10 billion deal with the business devil two years ago, making themselves beholding to the rules and whims of the left's woke ESG and CEI agendas, and to keep their scores high and their borrowing rates low enough to continue doing business, they had to placate their stakeholders while ignoring their loyal brand customers. And making matters even worse, the pressure has been applied to AB InBev from both ends. Now, I've already laid out the stakeholder end of this clamp, but on the shareholder side, outfits like Assets Manager, BlackRock, along with Vanguard and State Street Bank, are among the top shareholders of most American publicly traded corporations, including Anheuser-Busch, and those outfits are also huge proponents of ESG and CEI rules. Put simply, Diane, when you're a woke majority shareholder in a publicly traded company, you can squeeze out the small retirement type of investors because all their shares don't add up to your shares when it comes time to vote on policy decisions. Well, basically what this is, is one hand kind of feeds the other. Mm-hmm. You can't do what you want to do because there's a hand above you that controls you, controls the important assets and how you are to use those assets. They dictate to you how you can and cannot use said assets right now i have i've laid this out okay so far in this commentary but and i i know it's kind of hard to follow in in different parts so let me put it into a nutshell anheuser-busch made their own bed when they got into bed with woke financial systems to the tune of 10 billion dollars and in order to keep their financials in order via low rates they had no choice given the organized crime-styled shakedowns, but to hire a marketing VP that would follow the woke liberal agenda. To click the LGBTQ plus box, that woke VP of marketing, Alicia Heinerscheid, had to bring a man pretending to be a woman with a highly visible social media profile on board, regardless of what might happen to the brand, and she convinced those in the AB InBev corner offices that the risk would be minimal. Well, it wasn't, and market share began to tank immediately. Bud Light executives tried to stem the financial bleeding with a hasty and condescending patriotic ad, And when that failed, they put Alicia Heinerscheid on leave of most likely permanent absence, but that didn't work either as the damage had already been done. 
The next step in stupidity saw AB InBev going to Washington, D.C. for assistance from conservative consultants, thus pissing off the liberal political demographic after having pissed off conservatives, anti-woke, once loyal customers. That was followed by the worst idea yet in giving their own employees a free case of Bud Light as an apology to them while maintaining their back-turned approach to former consumers of their own product. Meanwhile, the virtual firing of Alicia Heinerscheid and their limp attempt to win back customers resulted in a hissy fit from the LGBTQ plus crowd led by that crowd's primary financier, George Soros, and boycotts from the LGBTQ plus community. Neither the stakeholders nor the majority shareholders, woke organizations all, gave a rat's ass how far the numbers for Bud Light and AB InBev plummeted because, just as is the case with any organized crime-style shakedown, somebody has to serve as the example of what happens when you don't play along with the shakedown in order to keep other companies and or corporations in line and following the rules lest they suffer the same financial fate as Anheuser-Busch. Diane, for the average investor, those who own stock in Anheuser-Busch via retirement accounts or maybe even low-to-mid-level stock portfolios, there is little, if anything, they can do to change the company's agenda. But the once-loyal and now-former customers of that brand are casting their votes at the cash register by buying other brands, which should serve as a warning to other corporations that are thinking about making similar deals with the financial devil. Well, these people do have something else to worry about, and it has to do with the shareholders, and it's a critical thing. It it is, and that question revolves around who might be in the hot seat. Anheuser-Busch executives. If they can't find a way to tow the woke line, the majority shareholders and stakeholders will vote them out because their bottom line is not the financial bottom line, it's the woke line, and that's all that matters to the ilk of George Soros. Meanwhile, for his part, Dylan Mulvaney is trying to portray himself as a victim in all of this. Recently, Mulvaney shared that, quote, Now, there are hundreds of thousands of people out there that do not like me, and I still sometimes can't sleep. But in a weird way, it's been a blessing to sort of break that people-pleasing mentality, unquote. Oh, dear, poor Mr. Mulvaney, shedding crocodile tears all the way to his bank, having raked in millions of dollars pretending to be a woman, pretending to be offended by those who know he's a man, and now pretending to be traumatized by those who believe in reality rather than in his fraud. What's happening to Bud Light is exactly what happens when you try to fundamentally transform America by forcing dystopia by demanding dysphoria be accepted as reality as a weapon with which to beat the populace into submission. If those of us who are based in reality shove harder than the dystopic push, Eventually, this will become a passing failed experiment in social reengineering. If you shake the cages hard enough, and the, sh- the shakedown will come to an end. 
Hello? Yeah. Oh, it it just went dead there for a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the shakedown needs to come to an end, but the only way it's going to come to an end simply is when science trumps this made-up fairy tale reality of a group of people who think they're pretending has to be accepted by those of us who refuse to accept their pretending. They are playing games. They are ruining certain sections of this country while they play their games. Well, but the it, crime, the crime is twofold here, though, Craig. It also lies with Anna Bush, who threw their loyal customers under the bus to cater and acquiesce to a minuscule amount of the American population. Well, yeah, but see, you know, and, and that's a point I made, not only in this commentary, but previous commentaries over the last two or three weeks. But when you get right down to it, they entered into this $10 billion deal, not necessarily to appease less than 1% of the population up to a grand total of maybe 4 or 5% of the American population. They entered into this to get a low rate on the loans that they needed to grow the company. And, yeah. and that's where yeah, people are, that. that's, yeah, see, that's where, where people are missing out on really what's behind all of this. And when you look at it and, and you notice that the human rights campaign is funded by George Soros, well, then, then that sheds a whole different light on it because Soros wants to ruin the American economy. This way, he can hold big corporations hostage because big corporations need big money. Right. And if you don't play by the, the CEI and ESG rules, specifically the CEI rules right now, then they're going to they're gonna jack up your rates and you're not going to be able to afford to do business. You know, and where else other than you know, the, the big dogs in the financial world, virtually all of which are now woke, where else does a big corporation go to get $10 billion? There are ways to find other investors or conglomerates of investors, even if it means looking outside your own country, so to speak. Um, the smarter thing for Anheuser Bush to do would issue an apology. Right. Admit they were wrong, one hundred percent wrong. Apologize to their loyal customers. Do anything necessary to right this wrong. And and I. That's the I, only way they're going to save this brand. I 100% agree with you, and I, I mentioned, I brought that up in my previous commentary, but the reason they can't do that is because if they do, then the the financiers, the George Soros-backed financiers, are going to cut them off at the knees and say, well, you're turning your back on your ESG score, that means we're going to jack up your rates. I mean, their their biggest problem was they got into this deal to begin with. Their biggest problem is they fell in line with a shakedown. Right. I mean, they. This they is a shakedown. What they should have done 
uh, at the very beginning, two years ago, you know, they, they looked at the situation and they thought, well, okay, we need $10 billion because we want to expand. You know, we've got the opportunity maybe to buy a couple of other products. And it's going to take money to do that. We want to expand our manufacturing capabilities and this and that, not only in the U.S., but in other parts of the world as well. We need $10 billion. Well, what they should have done was say, you know, maybe we ought to cut back on our expansion plans for now. Maybe we ought to just keep doing what we're doing because we got a good thing going. Maybe we only need a couple of million dollars. We can get that virtually anywhere. And we'll just wait and see what happens with all this other nonsense. But no, they decided we want the $10 billion. We want to make this grand expansion, this grand splash in the marketplace. The only way to get that was to agree to pay by ESG and CEI rules. That's where they and made they, their mistake. And they destroyed their business in the process. They were probably hoping nobody would notice, but unfortunately for them, everybody noticed. Well, when you hire somebody like Mulvaney, you're yeah. screaming for attention. Yeah, well, that's just it. You know, you, you get this woke vice president of marketing, this Heinerscheid, and she figures, well, the way to appease the ESG is to go out and get the most flamboyant, obnoxious, high-profile idiot that I can possibly get and make that person the, the focus of this ad campaign. That will appease the ESG. Anheuser-Busch corner office dweller said, yeah, go ahead if that's what it takes. And I'm guessing, guessing, Heinerscheid said, yeah, you know, there'll be some blowback, but it won't be that bad. Well, gross miscalculation, <laughs> the blowback is huge. It's worse than they ever, ever expected. And, and who's laughing all the way to the bank? Dylan Mulvaney and George Soros. Dylan, yep, yep. You know, this whole thing with influencers, quote unquote, really bothers me. Yeah. Because the only people you're influencing are people too, I don't want to say stupid because not all people are stupid, but they have no confidence in themselves to be the influencer over what they themselves do, say, think, wear, drive, whatever. It's like you need an influencer to do your thinking for you, to tell you what to do. Have we really become that kind of society? Unfortunately, yeah. it seems that way. Maybe not on our side, not on the right side, but surely on the left side. Well, and just as surely with the younger generations. Okay, because they are hooked on TikTok. They are hooked on social media. They can't and won't do anything that social media doesn't tell them to go out and do. Right. You know, I mean, well, that fault lies with the some of that fault. I'm not going to say all of it. Some of that fault lies with with the parents who let their children go on these kind of sites. I, I 100% agree. You know that that's a big, huge part of the problem. It's it's a vicious circle. Yes, very vicious. And really, it's not going to be 
corrected until our whole mindset changes and we start thinking the way we should be thinking. Right. Now, you know, uh, you, it's you just ta- annoying. It, it is. You talked about social media influencers. Well, exactly a month ago today, okay, the 16th of April, in my commentary I wrote um, about Dylan Mulvaney. He's a social media influencer, and for those unaware of what exactly a social media influencer is, it's an idiot who gets famous on social media because other idiots with no self-awareness or no self-respect decide that they want to live vicariously through them. Right. And, And I stand by that description. It's a good description. It really is a good description. It's it's to the point where we have become a society where we do not think for ourselves. Yeah, it's a shame. We're told what to do, what to eat, what to drive, what to wear, what to listen to, how to cook, on what kind of things we should be cooking on. Everything is done for us. We have lost the ability to think for ourselves. Well, and that's all part of what you wrote about in the fact that the more the left can perpetrate that, the more control the left has. Yes. It's all about control. Everything is about control. It is. I just looked at the clock. We're out of time. Holy cow. Folks, if you want my my commentary, go to thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place, you can get the link to my commentary, Bud Light and the Woke Dystopian Shakedown, and then share it everywhere. In fact, do yourselves a favor. Go to rspradio1.com. You can get Diane's link and my link in one stop. Yes. Pretty simple. Everything there. With that, we're out of time. Well, nighty-night, folks. See you on Friday. Have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you on Friday. Bye-bye.